I also have a random question. Is a bison a bill? Are they the same thing? A buffalo? You know, Daniel gave me like a whole explanation of this. Did you listen? I forgot (laughs) most of it. It it was good. interest halfway through? No, that like... (laughs) I have been literally wondering that. Yeah. So afraid to ask that question. Like, is in reference to Buffalo Bill, who actually was killing bison. Yes. And so it's actually... Bison is the correct terminology. It just all comes back to... Okay, so a bill is a guy... The the actual logo is a bison. Yeah. <laughs> Our goal on this podcast is to know Jesus better and by the power of his spirit do better so together we can be a little better. Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening. You do you. Whenever you're joining us, welcome to A Little Better Podcast. And we have in the studio today, Drew, frequent flyer, although he gets to kick back a little bit because Adam, you brought the sermon and... uh, Hard to believe, honestly, hard to believe was your first time up there. Really (laughs) impressed. Thank you so much. I was hugely encouraged. But for our listeners, recap your sermon. Sermon in 60 from Adam. Okay, 60 minutes, 60 seconds. 60 (laughs) minutes. Let's go with 60 seconds. Okay, I'll go with seconds. But by the way, I do, I just need to say, I'm much more comfortable in this environment talking (laughs) on a couch with two people. (laughs) This is my jam. Well, going forward, maybe we'll arrange that for you on the stage. Hey, all right. Yeah, that'd be good. Okay, 60 seconds. Uh, Joy and suffering, finding joy and suffering. How can we do that? Um, One, I just, you know, started by talking about what joy actually is, just mm-hmm. to make sure we're thinking about it properly. It's not just uh, ear-to-ear grin, right? Yeah. It can be joy and sadness at the same time. And really just walked through Paul's experience of suffering and all the things that God wants us to learn in the midst of it, and really tying back to the whole entire entire series of remembering God's purpose in our suffering, mm-hmm. coming to him in lament in our suffering, caring for each other in the midst of our suffering, and then ultimately finding joy in suffering, which Mm. is found in Christ. Yeah. Awesome. That was about 36 seconds. Well done, my friend. Well done. So listen, I always ask this, uh, but anyone who's working on a message like this, that time goes by so quick and you just (laughs) need to focus on what's most helpful. But inevitably, there's stuff, if I just had a little more time, what was it you left on the table? What would you talk about if you had more time? Yeah, good question. I think as a first-timer, I had quite a bit of that, (laughs) a lot of stuff that I had to leave uh, to the side. I think the one tension that I wanted to address but didn't feel like I had time for is comparing our suffering, Mm -hmm. Um, both the su- our suffering to other people's suffering, right? And then ultimately, you know, there's a spot in Scripture where Paul talks about comparing our suffering to the promises of God and how it's not even worth comparing because yeah. God's promises are so, um, so much more attractive and worthwhile. And but. you ever wrestle with that? I wrestle with that. Do yeah, I mean, I, I, I was going to ask a follow up question to mm-hmm. that. Just, just thinking out loud of like comparing our suffering. As a counselor, Adam, and by the way, shout out, um, thank you for all that you do. Mm. Um, your team does, uh, counseling is one of the hardest jobs because, you know, we're supposed to carry others' burdens, but it's it's hard to, like, disconnect yourself from people's suffering. Mm. So thanks for you and all your team. And even our, you shouted out to our community groups. Our community groups do in that journey of dealing yeah. with people's suffering. But, like, you know, the comparison, like, have you ever found a time where it is actually healthy to compare your suffering to somebody else? Or would you say, as a general rule, it's usually detrimental to you? Yeah, I think it's it could be healthy as long as you take that comparison with a grain. Like, what's the motivation for that comparison, yeah. right? I, I think sometimes, you know, 
quantifying your suffering as like, oh, okay, wow, this is hard. Um, but I know God has brought other people through things that, you know, seem harder. Mm. But, but if the goal of the comparison is they're not really suffering, right? <clears throat> then it's like, uh, or it's like my suffering is greater than anyone else's suffering, yeah. yep. right? And then it becomes kind of a, a victim mindset. Mm. I think that stands in the way of finding joy in Christ. Yeah, I was thinking about that flip side of that. My wife... Uh, you know, Karen, she's a nurse at Highland Hospital. She works with women, you know, uh, in cancer mm. treatment. She herself is a cancer survivor, mm. was treated on her floor by her colleagues years ago. So sometimes she'll talk to patients and say, hey, I'm a pink sister, you know. But sometimes she's watching someone going through something that's it's just so hard. She says, I'm not even going to mention it. My mm-hmm. suffering doesn't compare. Yeah. Let me just focus yeah. on her. Well, and I think the word there is compare. When we right. take our suffering and like basically match it up with somebody else's, it's probably usually never a good thing because mm-hmm. we're trying to make ourselves feel better or mm-hmm. whatever about our suffering. Right. But I think what it, what is good in that is the awareness of all the suffering that is out there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like when you go and visit somebody at the hospital, it just broadens your perspective of like, wow, Mm -hmm. there are people every day filling these rooms Mm -hmm. with suffering. And I always say traveling outside of the United States, uh, getting outside of the country makes you aware of how people live every day. Mm -hmm. Like every day is suffering to them. And so I think the awareness that you're not alone is very helpful, can be encouraging. But when you compare, I think it's when you you go on a, a path that's probably not going to lead to great places. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And Brett, I think you said so well. You know, Karen, discerning when is yes. it appropriate right. to say, "Oh, I've been through something similar." Uh, but I do think. I think all of us as Christ followers, we so want to find common ground with yes. someone yeah. that we equate their suffering to ours, and it's just not the place for mm-hmm. that. That's not what a sufferer needs to hear is, you've been through that too. It's, yeah. That's where Nate's message, you know, the mm-hmm. silence comes in. Sometimes handy. as community group leaders, we've, we've yeah. heard people compare their suffering to someone else, and we just cringe yeah, because absolutely. it's just like, no, do not do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just listen. Just be there mm-hmm. you know, for them. Hey, I know we were talking after the sermon, um, and you had there was another story of suffering yeah. that came to mind that you just thought was so appropriate to what we were talking about. Yeah, like about a year ago, um, there was a family in our church um, who lost their 11-month-old son, and that story was told a year ago um, mm-hmm. in one of Drew's messages, and it's the Buckles family. And... Mm-hmm. Um, Walking with them in their pain uh, was just such an honor for me, Mm. uh, really. Um, But I reached out to them and was just like, hey, where have you found joy in suffering? Mm. And so Mm -hmm. their first response was, all of week one through three, right? They they could see the purpose, right? They saw how God was using it to draw people to themselves. They learned a language of lament, mm. you know? Wow. Um, and then they experienced the love of the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then I reached back and I said, well, tell me about your relationship with God. And, and they said this, God proved time and time again that he is for us. In the midst of our suffering and losing Hudson, it did not feel like that. It felt as if he had turned his back on us and abandoned us. But if you look at how we worked through Hudson's life, it shows God was making a way to use our story to reach some lost people. And just the fact that they were able to find Christ yeah. and to draw closer to him 
is just so encouraging. And I think we can link to that story, their story. Yes, yeah, we'll have some additional resources, and we'll yeah. have the link to that story well, yeah, of that, Hudson's life. And that comes back to what I believe is your main point, right? Finding joy in suffering is only found in Christ. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we often try so hard in the midst of our suffering to find joy in all the wrong places, Mm -hmm. right? To find it in a change of circumstance, to find it in a thing that we can get or an experience we can have. And really true joy, Paul says it all all over the pages of Philippians. What I loved is you just showed us the joy Mm -hmm. from chapter one to chapter four, and it was rooted in Christ. Mm -hmm. And just like he is the one who is going to produce the joy in you. You can't manufacture it. That's happiness. Right. And we we can't crutch ourselves to smiling Mm -hmm. in the midst, but finding rooted joy in Christ. I thought that was just like shown so brightly through. And for me, that's that's what's so powerful about the Buckles' testimony is their circumstances didn't change. That's right. Right. And they were able to find joy in Christ. Now, um, They've welcomed a healthy baby girl into their family, so yep. praise God that they're experiencing that joy. But that doesn't take away their grief and suffering, That's right? right? They, they're Might waiting. Be a reminder right. of it, yeah, absolutely. And they're waiting till eternity to get mm. to see Hudson again, and yeah. that's mm-hmm. when their joy will be ultimate and complete. Um, but they found joy in Christ in the meantime. So I have a question. One of the tensions that I feel helping people navigate suffering, walking with people, and just in the topic of suffering is you you balanced a beautiful tension of seeing suffering, admitting it's there, but finding joy in it. Um, What are some just practical ways that I feel, sometimes I feel like I can't do both of those things. You know what I mean? I either have to ignore the suffering to find joy or just never stop lamenting the suffering. Mm -hmm. What are ways that we can balance those two things practically in our life? What does that look like? Yeah, I think before I could answer that question, right, I'd, I want to talk to that sufferer mm. and say, what are you doing right now, right? And that's what's going to help me say, here's what needs to be done next. Mm. And I, I know it sounds simplistic, right, but that's what this series is all about, right? So, like, is it God's promises that you've lost sight of? Well, then I would say the next thing you need to do is focus on God's promises. Are you engaging with them? If you're not, then you need to yeah. do that and lament. Are there people around you that are supporting you? Are you experienced the love of the body of Christ? Are you in a community group, right? Are there people who are coming alongside you? Then you need to do that. Um, So really, I do think that's why this series has been so helpful Mm -hmm. is because it's giving those practical ways to experience joy. And it's really a personal thing about like, hey, which one of those weeks is is the week that you need to focus on the most? Good. Yeah, I love those practical action, you know, responses. I think, you know, you talk about how can you suffer and have joy at the same time. I just, um, I think it's Michael Hyatt said, what does this make possible? Hmm. You know, whenever, you know, hard things get done, what does this make possible? And one thing, I've often thought of the evangelistic angle of it in terms of how much more, the, how much more credible the gospel is yep. to others when they see what God does through us in suffering. Yeah. And one of the things is, you know, and especially as we have people we love, you know, far from God, you know, people in our own family, it may take, you know, oh, yeah, you're just, you know, that's just what you were raised with. Oh, yeah, you just do it because that's what's culturally expected or, you know, there's other benefits, you know, to being, you know, to being a Christian. You're just, but it's like, no, 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 
No, no, the only reason I believe this is because God is very real yeah. mm-hmm. and to see through suffering the reality of God. So, and, and that, if that's the price I have to pay so that people I love see God, mm-hmm. you know, then maybe I can take joy in that. Yeah. And I, I love that Hebrews passage because we have an example in suffering through Christ mm-hmm. too, right? If our joy is from Christ in suffering, we also get an example of his joy in the midst of suffering. Those words to me, um, and actually this is like a sneak peek into our April series, week one, we will hit this verse a little bit. It says, for the joy. Yep. The joy set before him, he endured yep. the cross. Mm-hmm. And so it's that's just a beautiful picture. And, and really what Paul does in Philippians is really just express that out for us. Mm-hmm. That like we see this in Christ and we follow his example. And to know we have a God who is empathetic to our suffering, who identifies with our suffering yep. and did it with joy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just amazing. I want to, I just love this conversation. It's helping me quite a bit. Um, I want to finish up our talking about suffering before we talk a little bit more about your ministry. Hmm. But um, as far as the suffering, just to wrap it up here, a, a couple of things is, I don't know if any of us wanted to comment on, you know, an example of suffering in our own lives and the growth that resulted. And also, I, don't, I know we already mentioned, as, as far as additional resources, another video of this story. But some people, again, people have all kinds of responses. You know, read a book isn't often good advice for someone who's <laughs> suffering. But for some people listening, you know, they do want, you know, and maybe, hey, now is the time of peace, mm-hmm. you know, and let me take advantage of that by getting ready, you know, mm-hmm. and reading something. Is there, are there books that you would just say you, you've loved and found so helpful? Yeah, I mean, for me, I know you guys have mentioned this in, in other weeks on the podcast, but Paul Tripp's book on suffering, mm-hmm. I just think is so helpful. And if you're not a reader, which I know some aren't, I wasn't for a lot of years, and now I just can't seem to read enough. Um, That book just hits all of the tensions. He's walking through his own suffering with health and what it looks like. So he has that that credibility or that respect of, like, this isn't just theory. He's living it literally as he's writing the book. That's probably uh, my most helpful thing. But if you're not a reader, get that audio book and listen to that. Yeah, Uh, yeah, good thing. Thoughts or... um, on either one of those, I book mean, or example I think, of suffering. I think that book's a, a wonderful book. Um, I think it also depends on what suffering you're, you're dealing with. I know there's a lot of stories of miscarriage in our church. There's a great book out there. We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. I forget the name of it. It's, it's almost a journal. It's almost like navigating mm-hmm. through your grief and through the journey, and it provides scriptures. It's just a really good book. We'll provide that in the show notes, I think. Yep. Books are great. I mean, there's a lot of great resources out there. I think Nate Miller also said, man, just being a friend in the midst of suffering are all great things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think some people, um, you begin to doubt, you know, even, well, how is it possible for a good God to coexist with this kind of suffering? Is he there? Does he care? So some people, they kind of need that more almost theological Mm -hmm. question, Mm -hmm. you know, answered. And, uh, I mean, a couple of books I've loved have been, like, The Reason for God, where he just, I think, I think it's a, 
a shorter book of Keller's where he really goes up against the, you know, the problem of evil in the world. And then the longer book I've mentioned before is Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, which is practical in a lot of ways, but he's also very much just looking at, it's, it's so hard. I mean, because the temptation in suffering is to say there is no God. Mm. Of course, that is no comfort. Mm -hmm. If there is no God, there is no purpose. Yeah. We are just victims of chaos mm -hmm. and randomness. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, and that's not an argument for whether or not it's true. But, yeah. but my heart breaks for anyone who lives apart from God. Yeah. Yeah. Because without it, how do you find any purpose mm -hmm. in it? So anyway, we'll include all those resources um, in there. I wanted to uh, shift gears a little bit because you mentioned uh, not being a reader, now being a reader. I've known you for over 15 years. I'm trying to, re but when I first knew you, you were you, mad skills doing overseeing production. <laughs> I don't the know Sunday about, morning I don't experience. Know about mad skills, but oh, I was doing man. it. I was. I loved your toys. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and the people you worked with. Yeah, and amen to that. Probably there was a little bit a hint of the future just in the way in which you coached and encouraged the people you worked with because you weren't th throwing all the buttons yourselves. You were working through a, mm. an amazing team of volunteers. But tell us, how does someone go from overseeing <laughs> production to leading the counseling ministry here at Northridge? Yeah, it's a great question. And so um, I was creative team director, like at the end of during that transition. And so as an aging person in that field, right, I felt like I was becoming more and more irrelevant to things, right? So the handwriting was on the wall that I might need to find something else. But I just think through leading community groups here and walking alongside people that are hurting, there was always this desire in me to say, I want to do better at how can I help people in these situations? And so um, I started taking courses at CCF and really just got passionate about what God and the gospel does to the things that we go through. And I first got passionate about it in my own life. So as I started taking those courses, I didn't really learn how to help other people first. <laughs> I learned how to help me and how to engage with my sin in the midst of the things I was going through. And doing that was just like, oh man, now everybody needs to hear this. This is just so incredible. Um, and so finished taking those courses. Um, and so, yeah, now I, I have the honor of becoming the counseling pastor here. Yeah, well, give us a peek behind the curtain here in terms of what have we built, you built, you know, together uh, in terms of you've got a team. Tell us about your team yeah. and how, do they, how does that work? Yeah, well, just to clarify, God is building that team, right? So he sends people my way and they ask about getting involved. And so because CCF was so formative to me, I'm trying to direct people to that content as much as I can. I want them to hear straight from them rather than my distilled version mm -hmm. as much as possible. So a lot of times what it looks like is people taking um, two of those courses. And then once they get those two courses under their belt, we have conversations about it. There's observation for them where they can view counseling of others others and learn and ask questions. And then when they're ready, they can start counseling people and they're observed. Mm -hmm. And then they become active members of our counseling team. You also take a trip out there, right? Don't you take yeah, a, there's a, a Yeah, there's an annual conference that we try to get to, depending on where in the country they're choosing that we maybe stream it. Or we, we go, last year was in Hershey, PA, so we were able to go and all of us went in person to see that. And that's always really encouraging. So tell me about your team, Adam. How many people you have on your team, counselors? And even just tell me about, like, give me a window into, or our church a window into how many people you've 
you help and like what that process looks like. If someone's listening, is like, man, I'm suffering. Maybe I should talk to them. What does that even look like to reach out and to, to walk through the process? Yeah. All right. So let me start there. So sorry, that was a thousand questions. Yeah, that's right. I'll try to track with them. Brad's got my back if I forget (laughs) one. Um, when people are looking for help, if they just go to, it's the answer for everything here at Northridge is I want that info. Right. And you can just uh, make a comment and say, Hey, I'm interested in counseling. Um, and so for each of our campuses, um, that campus pastor is really the first line of defense, right? Where they're going to see that. Um, and then from there, it will come to our team at times, right? So um, so we have, there's three staff members that uh, the priority focus for them is counseling. That's myself, uh, Dave Miller, and Charlie Pilger. And so Dave Miller does a lot out at the Webster campus, and Charlie and I are kind of teaming up here at the Rochester campus and any needs that come from online. Um, but then we have other volunteers. So we have, we have like three women volunteers who I just could not do what we do without them. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to keep our counseling uh, gender specific. So when women reach out for help, right, I'm not going to do a good job of understanding where they're at. So we have trained volunteers that mm-hmm. meet with women. Um, and then also we have a few men who will volunteer on our team as well. And meet. You mentioned the online connections, and you've been helpful with me where people have come online and then I've talked with you. It's possible someone's listening you know, to this podcast, has no connection to Northridge whatsoever, and they hear about this. How I know that there's kind of a standard response. Can yep. you just... what? What yeah. is the criteria for us engaging with people? Yeah, that's great. I would love to have the capacity to meet with everyone in the world that was hurting and point them to Christ. Sure. We just don't have that, right? So one of the things we talk about with counseling is that it happens in waves here at Northridge, right? So the first wave of our counseling is Sunday morning services, right? It's the gospel being preached in our sermons, in our music, right? That's counseling, mm-hmm. right? The second wave of counseling is in community groups. It's yeah. community group leaders who are in the trenches with people who are hurting hurting and coming alongside mm-hmm. them. And then the counseling team comes at the third wave yeah. for us, right? And so that's where, oh, hey, you know what? These other things are good and helpful, but they might not be enough for a season. And so that's when people will reach out to us. So because it's the third wave, when mm-hmm. people reach out, we really want to make sure that they're participating in those first two waves yeah. with us. And that kind of helps us decide who we can best come alongside, right? Because change happens best when you're living in community. And if you're not doing those things, that counseling, that help is not is going to have trouble taking root if you don't already have those things in place. Mm-hmm. So that kind of guides who we're able to to, you know, invest resources. Yeah, in. and I think it's fair to say for that person who's just on the other side of the country responding, it's just like we'd frust- we'd both be frustrated yep. if yep. we engaged, right? You know, God's got, you know, his family in your city and neighborhood Absolutely. too. Right. You know, there are places for you to be plugged in. And really that is the whole orb solution. You have to be part of the body of Christ. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. We'll I think of you as a hospital administrator, you know, it's just like there's the ER (laughs) department, you're triaging those crises, but then there's the wellness, there's nutrition, there's the physical therapy, Mm -hmm. and just all of that, it's so much counseling is done before you're ever aware of it, Mm -hmm. because it happens in groups, it just happens with people doing life together and helping each other. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so here's a a question for, I, I would assume that a lot of our community group leaders are listening, right? And they, you say, they're the second part of that wave. Yep. And I know I've heard from community group leaders that they have to walk through some really difficult stuff sometimes yes. in their group. Um, what advice would you give to them as the counselor of how to navigate that, how to, how to not 
take that burden of their suffering on their shoulders? Like, just give our groups who are listening, leaders, some advice on how to navigate someone's suffering, someone's hard issues that they're dealing with. Yeah. I think I just want to start by talking about our culture, right? We live in this microwave culture of like, we want it our way and we want it right now, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you're walking through something hard with someone, you want to fix it right away (laughs) and they want you to (laughs) fix it right away, right? And so there's these expectations. I don't have time for that. (laughs) Yeah, there's these expectations that we're always managing. So one, I would just tell them, you can't fix it, Mm. right? They can't fix it, right? Only God can fix it. And us finding him in the midst of that struggle is the solution. Like the the journey is the solution. And so one, I would just say, release yourself from feeling the pressure of, I have to say the right thing, do the right thing. Give them this three bullet points towards healing. Yeah. You don't, like Nate talked about in week three, it's, it's being present. It's being with them and at the right times saying the things that are going to be helpful yeah. and pointing them to Christ. So would you say we'd have to like re, re-push our bullseye? So like for many of us, our bullseye is to escape suffering yeah. or fix suffering. Yes. And really the bullseye is the purpose and what is Christ doing in me and through me in the suffering. Absolutely. So we're, 100%. we're shooting after Christ rather than the solution. Yes. Yes. We were created to draw near, right? There's this theme of like the priesthood in the Old Testament. It's like this really big thing that's confusing, right? But we're created to draw near and suffering draws us near mm. to Christ and near to each other. Mm-hmm. And that's why, that's why we need to embrace the purpose of it is what God's up to in it. Yeah. He wants us to spend time with him. When everything's going great, how often are we on our knees talking and spending time with Drawing God? near, right? right? You know, like we're not drawing near. We're right. living our best life, right? Yeah. And so only we're not, right? And our mm. best life is with Christ. Yeah. I can't think of a better way to land that than that final thought. Thank you so much, Adam. Thank you for what you did on Sunday. I just love people getting to see your face. Thank mm-hmm. you for what you do behind the scenes. And I know you want credit to go to your volunteers, but most of all yeah. to God Amen. for what he is doing through our church. All the resources we mentioned will make available to you. And if you say, hey, I would love to help. Uh, and join that team. Again, I want that info. You could start that query and move your way through the process. Uh, We'll catch you next time for a brand new series.